Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor. With mixed market bet builders, in-play betting and a selection of welcome offers, make sure your Premier League is spent with BetVictor's premier betting app. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. A fellow Chelsea supporters, we have a very special guest on our show today, a man who really needs no introduction. He is the one and only Ron Chopper Harris. Mr. Harris, welcome to the show. How are you today? Yeah, fine, thank you. Fine. Brilliant. Warren, have you got anything you'd like to say first to our esteemed guest? Uh, well, no, just to sort of reiterate what we spoke about uh, just before we started recording. It's just a real honour and a real privilege to have you on the show. It's a real dream come true for myself. And I come from a big Chelsea supporting family for 50 plus years. And I know that a lot of them watched you a lot of times and they're very jealous of me today. And I'm, I'm very nervous. So forgive, forgive me. <laughs> Your family must have suffered watching me play for 20 odd years. Oh. <laughs> I've 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 heard many many a fantastic story about the times that my family have watched yourself and many of the other players that hopefully we'll discuss through the 60s and 70s that yep. we that were with you at our fine club so um very very revered among I'm very revered amongst my family today <laughs> Ron I just would like to start off um yep. if, if if I may by talking about what you know what you're doing at the club now you know because I know there are many times that you're part of the hospitality sector but just sort of tell our listeners that maybe haven't been to Stamford Bridge for for quite some time you know what what you're doing as part of the club now well for for uh, ever since Roman's been there, and when Ken Bates was chairman, I've uh, <clears throat> I've been with what uh, how many of us nine ex players. Uh, obviously, it's been more since Roman took over. Uh, originally, there was only myself, Pete Benetti, and Pete Rosgood when Ken Bates was there. But once <clears throat> once Roman Abramovich took over, there's nine of us doing it now, like on match days. But uh, <clears throat> obviously, I do certain other things. Uh, you know, here and there, like tours and when there's special occasions. But uh, with the lockdown at the moment, uh, it's it's a little bit light. I see. And you're doing part of the Legends tours that I've seen advertised through Chelsea's website. You know, how much fun must that be for you, sort of going down memory lane with, you know, all different Chelsea supporters? <laughs> well, I, I I look forward to it because, as I say, you get different... You know, sometimes you get some younger people that most probably don't know or not heard too much about me, but uh, a lot of the older people that normally come uh, <clears throat> are as old as me uh, and remember my time. And uh, we have some good fun, like we have a question and answer session at the end of the uh, the day, and uh, you know, which, which I enjoy doing. So talking about old times, some of the players you played against, uh, one or two of them bring up about the tackles that I used to do so, but no, it's good fun. Brilliant. Um, a lot of times when you've done sort of interviews, you know, many of the questions have been in relation to Chelsea, but I want to sort of, if I can, to start off with this interview, talk about yourself as Ron Harris, the man. 
So, if, if Ron, if I can, yeah. cast your mind back to when you was a sort of a, a small child. Who was your favourite player growing up as a kid? Well, like my my dad was a very very ardent Arsenal supporter, and uh, he used to take like me and my brother to all the games at Highbury, like reserve games, first team games, even sometimes uh, youth games, and uh, that's. You know, obviously we used to play a lot of football, but, uh, you know, I can go back to, you know, uh, somebody like Arthur Milton that used to play on the right wing that used to play cricket as well, which I used to do. So, you know, when I was offered the chance of going to Chelsea, uh, I had to make a bit of a tough decision because I used to play a lot of cricket and I was offered a contract to go up to, uh, like, Lords at Middlesex, but... You know, I I decided to go to Chelsea, and I've got I've had no regrets because I've worked there for, you know, well I was there for 21 years as a player, and for 20 odd years I've I've still I'm still employed by Chelsea, doing the hospitality and certain functions that go on, not so much at the present time, but uh, you know I look forward to it. I work with some lovely people at Chelsea, uh, and uh, I really enjoy it. Well, I think I'll, I probably will speak for a lot of people to say that you've de- definitely made the right decision in choosing football over cricket, most definitely. Yeah. And so you mentioned, obviously, you was watching Arsenal uh, a lot. Yeah. Was it sort of on that time, looking back at that Arsenal team, you know, who influenced you to become a footballer that you felt, you know, you could maybe pursue this avenue? <clears throat> well, as you know, as I say, my dad was a, a, a avid Arsenal supporter, and whereas we li- where we lived up at Stamford Hill in North London, whereas everybody had a we used to live in a prefab to start with, and whereas everybody had a nice garden, we we had a patch at the back where me and my brother was out there every you know most of the days with my dad playing football and doing certain things, and it was always as I say an ambition of mine to. Uh, either take up the football for a living or go to middle sex for the cricket. But I think what swayed me when I had the opportunity, made a decision, I was offered £4 a week to go on the grand staff at Middlesex or go to Chelsea for £7 a week and they paid all your travelling expenses. So uh, I think that's what swayed me going to Chelsea. And as a side, <laughs> I've because I've had a fantastic time at a fantastic club. May I ask one? Um, with, with regards to the cricket, was you was you a batsman, a bowler, a bit of both? No, I used to uh, be a bit of a batsman, and I used to keep wicket. And I think that uh, whether anybody's done it now, that uh, as a what uh, a fifteen-year-old lad, I scored a century uh, playing for Middlesex schools against Essex, and there were some big names. You know, the Keith Fletcher was playing for Essex. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as I say, I, I scored a, a 101 not out, and I won a. Uh, the, the paper used to do a a player of the month sort of thing, and I won a, a, a bat, a star bat. Wow. With, uh, you know, for the best performance of the week sort of thing, so which I was proud of. Well, I was going to say, if you would have carried on going, you would have got on the uh, honours board at Lords, wouldn't you? Well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> I'm a big cricket fan. Yeah. And Ron, so that was quite interesting. Thanks for that. <laughs> Ron, if I can, I'll 
discuss your Chelsea debut, which was way back in 1962. Uh, it was a year after winning the FA Youth Cup with, yes, when yeah. you was in the side. Describe to us and the listeners about how that made you feel making your Chelsea debut back in 1962. You know, I had a fantastic like week, really, because, uh, you know, Tommy Doherty was the manager at the time. And I'd captained the England youth side that won the Mini World Cup. Uh, and uh, he come in, you know, once the players come out after the presentation. And he just said to me, congratulations, son. He said, uh, you're playing in the first team on Saturday. And I was, you know, just turned 17 and was playing against Sheffield Wednesday, who had the likes of, you know, <coughs> uh, Ron Spring. It was in goal, Peter Swan. And uh, Johnny Phantom, and uh, I, I was chuffed, and uh, you know that started me. I played, you know, maybe for a dozen or so times, and then I was left out the side until the start because they they were, what should I say? I think we got relegated that year, and uh, <clears throat> I only come back into side at the start of the season when Chelsea was in the so-called second division. Then, well, with that. It was only another three years in 65 that we won the League Cup against Leicester. Yes, and yeah. that was your first main sort of trophy with the club. <clears throat> Do you have a lot of memories of that occasion? Well, you know, like the League Cup then was the two-legged affair. And uh, I think we won 3-2 uh, on aggregate over the two legs, if I can recall it. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, that was the first... You know, major honour I, I won at Chelsea, and uh, as I say, it's, uh, we had some good players that come through the youth ranks uh, from the youth side that you knew, and uh, it was a, a fantastic feeling because the League Cup then was a like a major competition. I think it's been devalued over a period of time, but everybody played their so-called best side then, and I was uh, pleased to say that at least I've, I've won something at Chelsea. It's interesting you say that, Ron, about the League Cup being devalued because I've noticed it a lot with the FA Cup as yeah. well in the last sort of in the last sort of five to ten years. I thought it was quite um, despicable, actually, not to point anybody out specifically, but but Jurgen Klopp not turning up to a game and the first team not being involved in like not turning up to it. I thought that really disrespected what is the greatest cup competition in the world, and it's a shame that the League Cup is so yeah, devalued I, I, because I loved it. I, yeah. I love the League Cup. In my time, it was better. Well, I say better. I think it was more of an honour to win the FA Cup than the, you know, the league. But obviously things have changed now because you get some of the even the smaller sides clubs now play fringe players and all that. But uh, you know, which is a shame, really. But there we are. That's life. It is indeed. Do you remember, Ron, that infamous incident that involved uh, Chelsea playing? A away tie, excuse me, and the manager, I believe it was Tommy Doherty, had a, a row with a couple of players, and one of them, I believe, was Terry Venables. Terry do Venables. You, yes. Do you remember much about what happened on that night? Because you know, a lot of Chelsea fans sort of do remember it. You know, sort of have taken one side over the other. So because I believe that you were there at the time as well, what was your feelings sort of on that particular event? Well, I think where it all started with, you know, uh, some of the players and, and Tom 
is that we were staying at Blackpool at the time and uh, we uh, we were playing Blackpool on the Saturday uh, and we used to go up there, say, like on the Monday night. We'd play the game Saturday and come home. But, you know, that they used to, Tom used to say, look, you know, go out and enjoy yourself, but make sure you come in at a certain time when, you know, what happened is that uh, <clears throat> on the Thursday night, Tom said, look, you know, we've got this game on Saturday. And, and we were doing quite well in the league, actually, at the time. And uh, he said, just make sure you're home by 12 o'clock. And uh, what happened is that uh, I think Tom <clears throat> realised it was something. I, could, I was uh, rooming with a lad, Marvin Hint, who was one of the players that got sent home. And, and I remember Tom coming round late at night, knocking on the door, asking where Marvin was. And I just said to him, I don't really know, Tom, I'll, I'll come to bed early. Uh, and it was only in the morning that uh, <clears throat> when everybody come down for the start training breakfast, uh, you know, Tom had gone round the rooms to find out ones that had uh, not come back. And he just said, there's your ticket, there's your ticket, rail ticket, that. Uh, and he sent seven players home. And, and I think that cost us the chance of winning the so-called first division then. And I think that if, you know, I've seen Tom on numerous occasions speaking at dinners and that. And uh, <clears throat> I think if, if he was, if you said to him, you know, did you regret it? He's always turned around and said, yeah, sending the players home. He should have maybe mm. fined him a week's wages or something like that. But, uh, you know, that's history now. No, that's understandable. That is understandable. If because in 1967 we it was in the FA Cup final against Tottenham, which yeah. we lost, and obviously no Chelsea fan likes losing to Tottenham, especially you know whether it was in yeah. the 60s or now. But that that must have been a sort of a kick in the teeth, considering you know how how good the Chelsea side, as you said, was a couple of years ago. To you know having the team changed. In such a short short space of time. Well, I think one of the <clears throat> one of the, the the biggest reasons is that uh, we never performed on the day. We had a lot of you know younger players uh, in the side that you know never really performed. You know because it's a great occasion. It's and it's a fantastic you know day from the time you leave the hotel and you drive up in the coach to. Wembley Way, go out on the pitch and, you know, when you think like towards the end of the season, the pitches uh, at the league clubs are like a, a sea of mud and then you go to Wembley where it's a fantastic service. And we, you know, as I say, I think we had a few, quite a few younger players and we never performed that day really and we were very disappointed. Well, that I think that disappointment certainly changed in a few years' time, especially against Leeds United. Warren, you've sort of mentioned a lot about the 1970s FA Cup final because yeah. your family was talking to you a lot about it growing up. So, Warren, the floor is yours on this one because I, I know you've been excited to ask Ron a number of questions on this. Yeah, 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 I have been. Well, like, like, like Keith just said there, um, well, my dad first started going to Chelsea in 1964, so he very much grew up watching you and as a kid there wasn't as much football on TV as there is now so I was kind of restricted to my football viewing to the videos that my dad had that was all from yeah, the 70s yeah. and 80s so I've I've 
I've watched both of the 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 final itself and the replay at Old Trafford. I've watched both of them games, the full matches of both of them, probably more times than anybody else yeah, in the world. <laughs> so um, yeah, sort of moving on from sort of sixty seven, glossing over that loss to Tottenham, and no. then moving on to nineteen seventy when you obviously captain Dutch fifty years this year. So happy anniversary, fifty years. Um, yeah, yeah. It doesn't <laughs> even you know I've it doesn't it doesn't seem possible that it was that long ago it doesn't seem it seems like such a short time ago in our history but yeah take take us through take us through well, a bit of that. Say, I mean, think, we obviously had an amazing cup run to get there you know like uh Leeds I think we're a very very good side they uh I always say to people that uh you know they compare because to me they had three exceptional players in Billy Bremner mm. uh, Johnny Giles and Eddie Gray uh, we had like Charlie Cook, Alan Hudson, although he never played, he was injured, and Peter Osgood, and I think they were two well-balanced side. Uh, I think the first game at Wembley, we were very, very, I, I think, fortunate to come away with a draw after extra time. <clears throat> and then, you know, uh, <clears throat> I come off uh, <clears throat> just before the 90 minutes because I'd, I'd pulled a muscle a few weeks beforehand and only played because I had the cortisone injections. Uh, But the replay was, what, two or three weeks later at Old Trafford. And as much as people say, oh, maybe, you know, we were a little bit fortunate, uh, you know, because we come from behind. We was losing 1-0. It went to 1-1 extra time and we won, you know, in extra time. And there wasn't too many players... You know, or any too many teams that had ever come behind on a numerous occasions like we did at Leeds, and I think that they the replay was were both the games were I think two of the most fearsome competitive games I ever played with. <laughs> and I think if you you check the replay, uh, the only fella that got booked would wouldn't say boo to a ghost, and that was Jones, the centre forward. Yeah. And if you yeah. ever if you ever see the recordings, he done a tackle Eddie McCready that caught Billy Brem on the back of the neck, uh, and the referee just waved play on. He didn't even give a penalty. And when I see what happens in football today, uh, you know, I think the sad part, the difference, <clears throat> you know, uh, in like my time and today's football is that. You only went down years ago if you was hurt, but yeah. you know today, you know the first thought of players when they get into the opposing penalty area now is you know to fall over at the slightest level, and I think that is the sad part or the big difference between players in my time where you only went down if you was hurt, <clears throat> you know, uh, compared to today. Like when and when you when you see them rolling around and rolling around. They can't be hurt because if he was hurt, you'd lay still. That well, is true. Uh, like, like you've just said there, like you've just said there, Ron, a, a big difference in the game as well. I think a lot of it is the mental toughness as much as anything else. Like you said there, you had a you had a muscle injury that probably would have kept today's. And I'm not sort of disrespecting today's footballers. They play they play at an unbelievable pace and a, a pace and an un, unbelievable intensity. But that would keep a lot of players out. Out for five or six weeks, you played two FA, you played two yeah. FA Cup finals yeah. against, yeah. But when you the, say, against the dirtiest team. Yeah. Now, when you say about the pace, 
you know, like if you, I'm not knocking the players that play today, but if <clears throat> if your goalkeeper makes a save, uh, you never see a goalkeeper kick a, a long ball up the middle nowadays, which yeah. happened in my time. Mm. Uh, they roll it out to the fullback. They have what ten passes in your own half, and you don't even get out your own half. Yeah, mm. that seems to be the modern trend of the way football is played today. And I think if you asked, <clears throat> you know, any su- older supporters uh, what they like to see is the modern day football or the football in the seventies and the eighties, which was more direct. Uh, and you know, I, I think that is the big difference. And you look at the pitches uh, today compared to some of the mud. We played in the snow. You played in the frost. Uh, that don't happen today, does it? Because every every pitch has got undersoil heating. So, well, well, this is this is exactly the point that my uh, my dad said. One, um, my dad said to me that I asked my dad who he thought was better because my dad's always said that Charlie Cook was the best dribbler and the best ball player that he's ever yeah. seen at Chelsea. And I and I said what about compared to Eden Hazard? And his his answer was, yeah, I mean Eden Hazard, he's never going to take anything away from Eden Hazard because he's a special special footballer. But he said Charlie Cook did it not only in all these conditions that you've just mentioned there. Ron, but he said he had opposing players that were as and, and my dad's exact words were that were as mental as Chopper Harris that would kick you in the chest for doing it. So <laughs> I think that Georgie Best he said I think that Georgie Best and Charlie Cook are better than Eden Hazard, Eden Hazard and Lionel Messi any day of the week. So well, my dad, dad you've completely... only got to look at the pitches uh, compared like in Charlie Cook's time and Georgie Best time compared to you know the the lovely pitches that these fellas play on today and. You know, you're not allowed. Football is to me. Football has become a non-contact sport. Yeah. You know, you know, you're not yeah. allowed to tackle. You can't slide in from behind and things like that. And <clears throat> you know, uh, it's completely. I, I think it's football is completely different in my yeah. compared it, to. It has absolutely changed. There is not. I don't think there's too many comparisons with the football of your day and the football of today, but. Talking of sort of tackling and hard tackles, and obviously you were known as a, a hard, tough, feisty defender in your day. Yeah. Um, there was something I wanted to ask you. Um, Dave Sexton once gave an interview just before the uh, replay um, in the 1970 Cup final against Leeds, and he said that um, he was changing the position that you had played from the first game, and it was for a particular reason. Do you remember why? Do you remember <coughs> that particular thing? Well, what happened? Like I think the replay was a couple of weeks after the first game that. Uh, and I remember, you know, when we went back on the Monday to, although <clears throat> I was still having treatment, Dave came in to see me and said, look, you know, once everything's all right, I want you to play right back. I'm gonna, we're going to move Webby in the middle with John Dempsey. And uh, <clears throat> I want you to look after Eddie Gray. So, uh, <clears throat> and then prior to the game, he said, don't we get, you know, try and, you know, ruffle him up and... <laughs> Don't give him any, you know, and which was, you know, I think one of like years ago when I I played, you know, <clears throat> I used to man mark people, and that's what I did. I should, you know, sometimes, you know, you get fullbacks covering and all that, but I never done that. I was standing shoulder to shoulder to Eddie Gray, and yeah. it's funny. I I spoke yeah. up at, at Leeds a few years ago at a dinner, <clears throat> and the two speakers was like myself and Eddie Gray. Wow. And when he got up to speak, Eddie, he just said to me, you know, to the audience, you know, I'd like to make a special presentation to Chopper. 
And I thought, well, I wonder what that is. And you remember the screwing studs you used to have years ago? Yeah. He presented me yeah. with one of them <laughs> taken out of his kneecap. Because <laughs> he, he was very quick. He was very quick, Eddie Gray, wasn't he? He was very, very quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and he could go. He, he could go inside and outside and all that. And as I say, my job was to stop him from playing. And you know, hopefully, I like to think as much as David Webb got all the accolades for the goal he scored that won us the cup, <clears throat> that maybe I deserved a pat on the back for the tackle. Uh, and yeah. I've been limping for a long time and been in the cup for Chelsea. You did, you did, you did put a few in for him, and I think that as much as people will remember Webby's goal at the end there and obviously Osgood getting his goal as well and obviously my dad always pointed out to me you watched a pass from Charlie Cook what a, like the most perfectly flighted ball that you'll ever see um, oh. Osgood and, and all the rest of it but you'll always be the man that climbed them steps at Old Trafford and lifted the trophy for the first time for us so yeah. I think your face will be forever etched in all of our memories for that <laughs> but um, m- moving on just even just one season from there our um, our fan- Fantastic European campaign where we had some really interesting ties against teams with. I believe did we play a team with a player with one arm? Yeah, because they that, all the lads were saying you want to be careful when the fella comes up because he can half throw a long ball. Yeah, uh, he only had the one <laughs> arm. I think it was a team from Luxembourg, weren't it? We beat That's, about twenty odd. Correct. Yeah. Years. Yeah. It was. It was the. Uh, I think it was the record for the biggest ever aggregate win in yeah, European competition. Yeah. yeah. For many, many a year, but obviously that culminated with the two astonishing games against Real Madrid. Well, um, it, it when was we... fun because you know, <clears throat> I remember like we went over to Athens, you know, where the where the final was, yeah, and uh, <clears throat> you know, like the day beforehand, and it was, you know, you're playing against, you know, one of the best clubs in the world, like Real Madrid. Everybody knows Real Madrid and that. And uh, I think we were a little bit fortunate in the first game because it finished up 2-2. And then That's right. this, this was on the Wednesday. <clears throat> so we had to play a replay on the Friday. Yeah. And we had, you know, quite a few Chelsea supporters that uh, <clears throat> stayed over and they, they, well, some of them slept on the floor in the rooms where the players was, but... You know, uh, if you know, people wouldn't believe you. Like, you know, because some of the lads were that gutted, you know, to to only draw the first game, that some of them went up to the Hilton Hotel in Athens and had a few drinks. Uh, you know, only because you know you wouldn't be allowed to do that today, and maybe people would say, "Well, that's wrong" and everything. But at the end of the day, it never done us so hard because we finished up winning two one. So you know. <laughs> There, there was there was there was a few um, party animals amongst Chelsea in the seventies. It was obviously being down the King's Road and being all suave and all the posh boys and everything. Yeah. It was quite a scene, wasn't it? Chelsea in the seventies, Chelsea in the sixties and seventies with Osgood well, and all. It was quite a scene. It was like this, you know. The, it, I, I think it was, you know, the seventies was a fantastic era, uh, you know, from you know in football, you know. Uh, I'm not knocking football clubs today, but <clears throat> as I said to you earlier on, everybody seems to play the same way now. They goalkeeper makes a save, they have ten passes, you don't even get out your own half. And I can just imagine Aussie and 
Ian Atchison, Shetnet, get the bloody ball up here early. <laughs> I, you know, so that, that don't think you'd be quite as polite as that. I don't no, think you'd be quite as polite. Well, I had to be a little bit careful, didn't I, what I said. But uh, <laughs> no, it's, the, the football's completely changed. Uh, the modern day football compared, you know, tackling is, what shall I say, uh, is is non-existent nowadays. You can't slide in or show your studs and things like that. Uh, when I, you know, when I see what goes on in rugby, some of the tackles there, you don't see people rolling around and rolling around because if if you're hurt, if you see a racehorse fall at a fence and it lays still, it's because it's hurt. Yeah. When you see the players, the modern day players rolling around and rolling around, they can't be hurt because if they was hurt, they'd lay down. Yeah, and that I think that's I think like that's, the sad, that's that's the sad part that you know <clears throat> I I remember many years you know like my two boys have grown up now and <clears throat> my, one of them was Mark was about what fifteen at the time and I used to go and watch him and I used to say to him why don't you stop spitting when you're on the pitch this day he said well I used to see you do it every Saturday so <laughs> and they see these fellas you know, falling around in the penalty area. You look at the penalty that was given last night. You know, you've got or one of the decisions, and I know it's difficult for the referees. You see Dermot Gallagher, the next referee, turning around and saying he didn't think it was a penalty. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the art of defending has definitely changed over the years. Like you said, the the art of the tackle is completely non-existent now because if you can like, like you say if uh, players like Neymar in particular who are quite acrobatic yeah. in their injuries it's, it's, it's like you say it's like a child it, if a child is being quiet they're hurt it's the same sort of principle yeah. it's that instinct yeah. and that instinct has gone from the game for sure um, yeah. but, but moving on from that and moving on from sort of our success in, I mean obviously that was our first European trophy as a club it was the yeah. year after our first um FA Cup triumph as well. It was obviously, you know, a fantastic time to be around the club. Obviously, as the decade progressed, uh, there was a few ups and downs and players obviously came to the end of their careers and certain other players moved on. Um, And it wasn't all sort of success and glory. I mean, how were those times at Chelsea? I suppose that must have been a real test of character around the club. I I just think that, uh, you know, this happens to, you know, most probably... Quite a lot of clubs, isn't they? They're high there at one moment, and then they have a a bit of a wobble, and players leave, and you know, fall out with a manager and all that, and they're chopping and changing. So, the, you know, I, 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 it, it was difficult, you know. But obviously, you know, like Romans come into the club now, he spent a lot of money, and uh, you know, I think this some successful times uh, for Chelsea for the, you know, for for a few years to come, like. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, would you, would you, I mean, I suppose this sounds like a silly question, but obviously, like you said, your dad was a hardened Arsenal fan and you used to frequent Highbury and all the youth games and everything, so you probably went to, you know, Arsenal God knows how many times as a kid. Are you a, are you a Chelsea fan or are you an Arsenal fan now or what? (laughs) Yeah, people, You know, people say to like I say to people that uh, <clears throat> you know, like being an Arsenal supporter and things like that. You know, w- when they play 
Chelsea played Arsenal there. Uh, you know, <laughs> I want Chelsea to win because they're the ones yeah. that have uh, paid me for 20, 30 years uh, doing the work I do, the hospitality. Uh, and I work with some lovely people. I'm not saying there's no lovely people at the Arsenal, but if <clears throat> if Chelsea were playing the Arsenal tomorrow, <laughs> I just hope that Chelsea win. <laughs> yeah. Good. I, I'm so glad when I was really nervous asking that question. <laughs> obviously, like you say, obviously, like you say, there you've worked with the hospitality and you've been around the club ever since um, you left us. And then obviously you went on and had a little bit of time, I believe, at um, Brentford and all the yeah. shot as well. Um, you had a little bit. Of, you had a little bit of time there. Did you play against Chelsea in your time at Brentford or all the shot? Uh, only in a pre-season friendly. That was a was your reception. Part. And uh, yeah, no, is that you know? I, don't get me wrong. I, I I would never, you know, knock Chelsea, you know. But as I say, my uh, at the time my shirt was Brentford, and I was hoping that we. we I can't remember the score. I've got a feeling we might have won actually, but it was a pre-season game, and you wasn't really. Uh, oh, your interest was getting fit, yeah. you know. And then, then I had a, a, a couple of years out, and then. Uh, you know, a friend of mine decided that he could get into all the shop uh, and asked me if I was interested if I went back as as a as a manager there. And at the time, they was about third from the bottom of the fourth division. Wow! And uh, we, you know, there was a lot of controversy going on with the fella that, that is, you know, the fella Bob Potter owns one of the big clubs. Uh, like sporting clubs, he was the one that was the big noise and a fella called Reg Driver. Anyway, you know, a friend of mine uh, got all the voting and everything and they voted him out. And, uh, you know, I'd like to think that uh, I took one or two good players and we finished up in the, uh, in the, in the top half of the table that we only took over, uh, you know, for a few months and, you know, I've got people like Tommy Langley, Plaffy, uh, and uh, I can't remember his name. They had a centre forward that uh, went to Manchester United. He uh, was with me at Aldershot on loan for the season because George Graham uh, was the manager. Uh, I think it, uh, Teddy Sheringham. Teddy, Teddy Sheringham, Sheringham. Yeah. would have been around about the same, the, the right sort of time. Yeah, because uh, then he would have moved George, on to you know Millwall and places yeah, like that. Yeah, George. I think George Graham was uh, manager at Millwall at the time, and it, yeah. I don't think he played yeah. that often. Ted and I thought he he looked quite good for for our, our standard, and we got him on loan for the rest of the season. But we, I never see the season out because uh, the fellow with all the money at this Bob Potter who owns the, the clubs, the nightclubs, and everything. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Bought, paid silly money for the shares and uh, we got kicked off. So, yeah. so you got booted out. And they've one, been down here ever since. One, one thing I did want to mention, Ron, is yeah. that you'll be forever you'll be forever known, obviously, as being the record appearance maker for Chelsea. Yeah. Right? So seven hundred seven hundred ninety five games. One thing that people don't mention very often is the fact that you actually scored fourteen goals for us as well. And there <laughs> is one in particular that sticks in my memory. A fantastic. Strike away to Derby at the baseball ground. Well, that, in, um, that, 
I think that won me the, the second best goal of the month. They used to do the voting, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Second or third. Yeah, but the thing being is that years ago, maybe if I'd have been a bit more attack-minded, which I wasn't, I was told to defend and do this and do that. I very seldom ever crossed the halfway line. Maybe if I was a little bit more adventurous, I might have scored 25 goals a season. <laughs> well, may, maybe, I mean, with and I mean, this obviously didn't affect your performances on the pitch for 20 plus years for Chelsea but maybe the fact that you was playing alongside defenders that may have had a bit of a height advantage so they went up for corners as well because you yeah, was playing alongside some six foot plus players yeah oh yeah obviously I, I, I was well, I'm only five foot eight but uh, I very seldom went up that far if I crossed the halfway line I've got a nosebleed because <laughs> you got the, the further you get forward the more you've got to run back anyway I think you've got it right to be honest with you Rod <laughs> This should take me a little bit longer to get back or <laughs> yeah. have an extra day off. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Ron, I just wanted to sort of ask about sort of going back to your playing days. You know, we've sort of touched on the likes of Charlie Cook and Peter Osgood, but how, what was it like sort of playing with, seeing as it now, icons such as Peter Bonetti, you know, Osgood, even the likes of Ray Wilkins as well. You know, when you look back on your career, for you, what was it like playing with them greats for the club, you know, and looking at it as a whole? Well, as I said to you earlier on, that everybody has different opinions about picking the best Chelsea level and things like that. But the likes of, you know, Peter Benetti, uh, Peter Osgood, Alan Hudson and Charlie Cook, uh, I think would uh, would always get in my best Chelsea eleven. And I'm not being disrespectful to the players of today, but you know it is a little. I think it was a lot more tougher years ago and uh, than what it is today. When you've got you know, but the likes of Oz and them could look after themselves. Nobody, you know. Uh, I don't say got the better of him, but he would give you as good as he got. And don't forget, there was some big centre halves years ago, physical centre halves. Do you think? Do you think, Ron, that uh, uh, Peter Osgood in particular? I know he had a really bad leg, leg break, didn't he, when he was yeah. quite young. Do you think that? I mean, obviously, his, his class was obviously evident in you know in all these matches and his toughness and his approach to the game. But do you think that he ever got really reached his best after that injury? I don't think Ozzy was after he broke his leg because he was out of uh, football for quite some time because you know he used to like even with his leg in place he'd go all straight whereas you know one or two people would like they'd say look you know stay at home rest your you know your legs in place you don't want to move around and things like that Ozzy wasn't that type of fella Uh, but I don't think you know uh, there's any better you know player uh, over a period of time uh, than Pete Roscoe because he was six foot two. His, <laughs> his control was superb. Uh, he could match any centre half if it got physical uh, and he scored some brilliant goals. And, it, and he was a real gentleman as well. Yes, yeah. All footballers were gentlemen, weren't they, in my time? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. My nan had the pleasure of meeting Peter Osgood at a golf club every year annually for about 15 years, and she said he was the kindest, gentlest yeah, gentleman that you could ever meet in your life. Yeah, great, 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 great man. 
Sorry, Ron, anything? No, no, that's fine. Ron, um, sort of just got a couple more before yeah. um, we, we do let you go for today. Um, you sort of mentioned you know, about the greats. What do you think about if VAR was back in your day? You know, do you think there'd be a lot of red cards and a lot of disallowed goals? Um, you know, well, as a whole, what's your take on VAR? <clears throat> all, all I say that, uh, said about that is giving uh, ex-referees, uh, like years ago when they come to the age of retirement, they finished. But all it's giving at the moment is ex-referees uh, an income for when they're most probably uh, could be working as a whatever. But I, I think it's it's a joke. And you've only got a decision last night. We can't all be wrong, can we? No, I know you. There has been some awful decisions, hasn't there? There's been some decisions that have been like, okay, who's getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Ron, yes. discussing about this season, what do you make of Chelsea and what are your thoughts on Frank Lampard being in charge? Well, I, I think Frank, you know, you know, every time I've seen him or met him, and I think he's a fantastic guy. But, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I'm talking as a pundit now. I think that uh, for them to win the Premiership this year, I think they need one or two good defenders because whoever they've got playing at the moment, uh, they, they they can see goals, and they're conceding goals consistently. Uh, anywhere else, I think they're fine, but I think that's the biggest problem they have at the moment, is shipping goals. Yeah, absolutely. We have been... If you, if you, speak, we have been... If you, if you speak to him before, you know, or if you see him before, tell him I'm still available. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure VAR would have a field day. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd give Kepper a piece of your mind as well, Ron. I think of um, well, having him. You know, it just seems every. You know, every time he seems to play, he, he seems to. You know, he's a young lad. He, he, he the onus is on him, and he he seems to make a mistake. And but uh, <clears throat> it'll be a long, you know, be a long time before they get another Peter Benetti. Yes. Oh yeah, it certainly will be. Do do you think, Ron, with regards to Kepper, do you think that there's a certain element of? I mean, he's a professional goalkeeper. He gets paid an astronomical amount of money to be a professional goalkeeper, right? So, I mean, I don't question that. But do you think that a period out of the team? Do you think that Frank should have taken him out of the team for a period of time before this? Do you think he's been left out, to, hung out to dry, so to speak, a little bit? Well, you know, like they've gone and paid, you know. A fee for another keeper, and they all day he, he wasn't playing the other night because he was injured. But yeah. no, I, I feel sorry for Kepper because he's come down with a, you know, a young lad, uh, the, the biggest or well, the biggest fee that they've paid for on the transfer market, uh, and it's like everything else when, you know, when you're having a good time, you want the ball as many times as you can. But if a goalkeeper makes a mistake. Nine times out of ten, it's a goal. And at the moment, I think he's just lacking in confidence. I'm glad you said that, Ron, because I'm somebody that I'm one of the very, very, very few Chelsea fans that expresses his um, empathy, if nothing else, for Kepper. I don't excuse his mistakes because I think they're very yeah. poor mistakes, but I do have a lot of empathy for him. And I'm, I'm glad that we have it recorded that the great Ron Harris agrees with me.
So thank you very much. <laughs> so thank you very much, listeners. I'm backed up by one of the greats. <laughs> Ron Chopper Harris, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Both myself and Warren really appreciate your time today. And hopefully when this COVID is eventually gone, we will see you again down the bridge watching the mighty Chelsea, hopefully quite soon. We keep our fingers crossed. Thanks ever so much. Thank Ron, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Cheers. 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 Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Chelsea supporters, that was the great Ron Chopper Harris on the Blue Day podcast. Warren, just for the listeners that may not be aware of who Ron Harris is and what he stands for with Chelsea Football Club, could you just quickly run over some of the <laughs> stats for me, as I know you have them chiselled in your mind. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm sure that there'll be a couple of things that I forget to mention, but everything that we've just gone through there um, in the last sort of however long that took it, it went, it seemed like it was 45 seconds. That was so, I'm still in a little bit of shock that we've actually just done that. But in total, across all that time that he played for Chelsea, he played 795 times for the club. It's still a, it's a record that still stands to this day and a record that um, I should imagine will stand for, well, nobody's even halfway there at the minute our club so it's decades away before somebody breaks that in that time he scored 14 memorable goals for the club he won three major honours um two as captain um no in fact all three as captain he was captain in the league cup in 65 as well um he was 21 years old when he was first captain of the club and he you know captain the club all the way through the mid 60s and 70s um and still hugely associated with the club still obviously does so much with the club that we've discussed there and everything and he's just an all-out legend and i just like to take this opportunity obviously i've you know thanked one at the beginning of the podcast and at the end but i'd just like to extend my personal thanks to one for coming on the show um taking time out of his own day and he had a lot of um helping setting it all up with his daughter claire as well so a big shout out to claire thank you very much for facilitating everything I enjoyed it so much, Keith. I know that you did as well. Uh, you know, you must have something to add just with your excitement levels about just not what we've just achieved, what we've just done just, just, just for us. I mean, the listeners are going to love it and that's fantastic. It's great for the podcast, but just for us to have had the opportunity to have done that is amazing. No, I just want to concur on your comments, really. I'd, I'd just like to thank Claire Harris, first of all, for responding to my initial email some time ago in regards to the possibility, and it was a distant possibility of having <laughs> the great Ron Chopper Harris on the podcast, but for, for this to have become reality, it's just absolutely fantastic. And words cannot describe my excitement when I was able to speak to Mr. Ron Harris himself on the phone to discuss this podcast. So that was a tremendous feeling that if I could bottle it, and just have it every single yeah. day, my life would be better. Honestly, it's that sort of feeling that you get with happiness. It, definitely. It's, give, it's, it's definitely given me a huge lift, and um, I didn't need any more motivation to do the podcast, but I feel that it's given me inspiration as well, because I know that Ron Chopper Harris has done various interviews and stuff over the years, of course, but um, to have spoken about everything that he spoke that we've just spoken about there in one place at one time is something that I would have always wanted to have listened to. So I hope that we've brought some joy and some, you know, some interesting facts and stuff to 
all of our listeners that have tuned into this episode and enjoyed the Chopper Harris interview because it really is a dream come true. So thank you very much. But um, yeah, I think that um, that pretty Should much sums everything up, up Keith. Should we wrap this yeah, up? Yeah, yeah, let's wrap Brilliant. this up. Because... I just want to say one more thing before we do have eventually go. Ron Harris was the first ex-player that has been on the show. And he will not be the last. There will be a few more announcements coming up very, very soon about new guests potentially coming on the show, definitely for 2021 and beyond. But there is nothing else for me to say. Apart apart from, apart from, give us your feedback, get in touch on bluedaypodcast at gmail.com, check out our YouTube, Instagram and Facebook, and we can officially announce... As of two days ago, we have officially opened a Twitter page for the Blue Day podcast. It is quite simply named the Blue Day podcast. We're very easily found. Check us out on there. Give us your support on there. Give us your feedback on there. Let us know what you think of the Chopper Harris interview. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. Sorry, if I just wanted to get that one in there just to just to announce the new Twitter. <laughs> We're so we're so sorry. We're so flustered that we've got all this written down. Believe it or not, right? And probably or not in this case, we are actually very organised and we've got everything written down. We try and be as professional as we can, but we're both sat here a little bit giddy and a little bit excited that we've just interviewed Ron Chopper Harris. So forgive us for nearly missing that one out. But yes, thank you very much again. <laughs> there is nothing else for me to say other than thank you to all our listeners on YouTube and iTunes who have taken the time out of their schedules to hear the great man speak, including Warren and Ron Harris. Uh, and we will be back. We will be back, fellow Chelsea supporters, next week with our favourite Chelsea 11s. So stay tuned for that. And there is actually going to be a special segment in there that my co-host doesn't know about, which I will leave as a surprise for him. It's a nice surprise. But mm-hmm. everyone, trust me, but everyone... Honestly, from the bottom of our hearts, stay safe and carefree. Sports Social Podcast Network. $88 billion is just a number, but not when we use it for our community benefits plan. It can be used to help deliver the promise of an education. We'll empower young entrepreneurs through the creation of the Howard University and PNC National Center for Entrepreneurship. And uplift small businesses with access to the capital they need in order to grow. It's not just about dollars, it's about change. PNC, 